Listo. Welcome to Cracking the Vault. My name's Peter McCracken, and today we're going to listen to some fiddlers from northern New Mexico. It's a tradition that's pretty much vanished, at least in a cultural context. But thanks to the work of Jeannie McCleary and Ken Kepler and a few others, we still have some of the music and dances from there. The tunes, in Jeannie's words, these tunes are truly multicultural. Some come from Eastern Europe, some come from Mexico with Maximilian's mercenary soldiers. Others are brought by Spanish Jews escaping the Inquisition, as well as from the many traveling musicians passing through New Mexico. The advent of the radio added newer influences, but in the hands of Cleofas Ortiz, they are as New Mexican as Chile Verde. Cleophas first came to the Fiddle Tunes Festival in 1987. He was born in 1910 near Bernal, New Mexico. And when he was eight years old, I read that he made his first fiddle out of a lard bucket. I don't even know what a lard bucket is, but you could tell that he really wanted to play. He learned uh, most of his tunes from his cousin, Emiliano Ortiz. Emiliano Ortiz is my first cousin, and he's the best fiddler in New Mexico, I guess. But he's dead already. I can't put him here. <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> so, hence we call it Valse Emiliano to identify it. One of the hits already here. Thank you. 
I asked Ken and Jeannie if they remembered when they first met Cleophas. Oh, absolutely. It was my birthday. We, yeah, we, I, I wrapped them up and presented it. It was a great <laughs> present. We went to Las Vegas. They used to have a thing on right around August 25th, which is my birthday, called the... Uh, it was at a fair in the old town uh, right by the Zocalo. And what was it called? This is Las Vegas, New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of the fair? I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, we walked, we were playing at it. And we got there and we saw Cleo and this Alejandro. People. And they were playing on stage and, and they had amplifiers. And Cleo had a mic on his fiddle and it sounded like crap. <laughs> but the music was great. Anyway, so we, we went right up to Cleo after and we said, oh, wonderful, wonderful music. Is, we'd love to come and get to know you. Could we come and visit you? And he said, yeah. And we were staying the night there with somebody, I can't remember who. But, so the next day we went out to Bernal, which isn't very far from Las Vegas, and uh, spent the day there and got to know his wife, uh, who was such a sweetheart, Ramona, and a very good cook. She, made, she always made great chili. Oh, and yeah. homemade tortillas and the whole bit. Just great. And so then we just started going there a lot. And we realized he should make a CD, or at that time a cassette. But then he had a stroke. It wasn't too long after we'd known him. No. But we'd actually recorded quite a few of his tunes right. by then. And so he, he recovered from his stroke. It took about six months. He couldn't even find his face with his hand. And we would go out there, and it was a two-hour drive up from Albuquerque. And we'd put his fiddle in his hand and just make him play it. was in a real grumpy mood all the time and then Ken was talking to his sister and he was on Coumadin and her his sister said well you can tell Cleo that uh that's a side effect of that drug he doesn't need to be in a bad mood and we told him that <laughs> and he goes oh okay, okay. <laughs> and he's no longer in a bad mood and there was like behind his house was the a, uh, a mountain called El Cerro del Hambre uh Starvation Peak where there's a lot of stories about the Indians starving the Hispanics up there and that there's gold buried and stuff. But it's right behind his house. And then there's an Amtrak track goes right next to his house. And he would turn around and say, I hate that mountain. No me gusta el cerro del hombre. And then once we told him he didn't have to be angry, he was completely different. It was so funny. So dancers for La Cadena, please come to the stage.
This is the chain waltz. This dance is quite often done at the beginning of a dance, uh, say at uh, a wedding or a community get-together. And the reason, it's a very nice mixer of a dance, because even though you see four people here, it could be more, and they, if you had more people, the circle part would change. You'd have different couples in the circles the next times. So you'd get a chance to say hello to everybody at the dance this way, right at the beginning. That's no joke, that's what they do. See, now you could circle up with another bunch of people if you had a lot of people. Kind of playing in both this, the recordings we have available of him, we were those are made after he had his stroke. Yeah. But we spent a lot of time going up there and just playing with him until he finally <laughs> got it back. You know. Like there's one tune on the CD on the first violinista that normally he played it in C, so it went way up high on the neck. Right. And he couldn't do that when we did the recording. He moved it to G. But basically, he still had really good technique. Yeah. And big hands, you know, because he built stone houses. Yeah, well, you know, it was after the stroke that he was up at PT. Yeah, yeah. It was 89 when he made his first record. Yeah. And then he made a second one, Violinista. We have one called La Cuna, which is the cradle dance. La Cuna means cradle. And in this, um, they end up making a formation kind of like a cradle, and they rock it. And the origin of this dance, I do not know but it's probably European originally. Thank you. 
Okay, this is La Vase de Escoba, and this is a very old dance. Someone said also they do it in Utah. I only heard that today. But it's kind of like musical cheers with a broom. And it's a great way to get for all the men to dance with someone they had their eye on and maybe didn't dare ask the parents' permission because back in the older days, you didn't dance with a lady without asking her parents' permission. So this was one way to get around that. case what we were we were just lucky to be interested in the old people and uh, now we are old <laughs> and uh, just you know just felt like the music needed to be preserved because it was so great yeah and the people from their own culture not in Louisiana there they did exp they yeah. treasured yeah their people but here it's like why did you what do you see in that man's music like oh he plays scratchy here you know, and we say, well, we like it because it's it's history, it's beautiful. To sing a song, Cleo and I. It's called Una Noche Serena y Oscura, a serene and dark night. And it's an old song, very favorite among the older people, and it's sad.
Buena noche, serena y oscura, cuando mar nos duramos los dos. Cuando en silencio me diste tu mano, de testigo pusimos a Dios. Estrellas, el sol y la luna son testigos que fuiste mi amada. Hoy que vuelvo te encuentro casada. Ay, qué suerte infeliz me tocó. Sala y amarte no puedo, porque así lo dispuso la ley. Quiero serle constante a mi esposo, en silencio por ti oraré. I mean, us learning Cajun music is really nice, but it doesn't really preserve any culture or anything, because the only place that can happen is if they find a way to continue to play the music or a, a, a version of the music, a more modern version, and have the, a culture that still responds to it. In New Mexico, 
it was really different because the music had pretty much died. And I think we might have played one of the last actual dances because we played in this bar, uh, the Canyon Bar up near Pecos. And none of the people, everybody there, we could just start playing a cuna or a talian. We didn't have to announce it. All the old people there knew the dances as soon as we played it, even if it was one that they hadn't heard before, they could tell by the sound what the dance was and they got up and danced. And we did that a couple times at the bar and then they, those people got older and they were in the senior center. So we would bring Kaleopas and we'd play at the senior center. And then they all passed away. But most of the people who do these are people that are in, in clubs to try to preserve stuff and everything, but it's not the same as being in a community where people just know the music. And right. so it, it hasn't become a part of the culture today at all. And you know, it's nice that people like us and Jordan and people that we learn this music, but you know, we're, we're saving it for ourselves, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, we're saving it for their families. And their families and things, but it's not the same as it was in Louisiana where the, catch, the, the culture actually evolved to, to keep the, that quote unquote revival music going. And it's vibrant today. Yeah. Louisiana is just cracking, you know, with good stuff. But it's a different kind of music, too. It has more excitement in a way than just an old polka. You know, I do ask an old polka's great, but, you know, <laughs> when you get a really rockin' two-step, that is more accessible to uh, people, younger people, I think. Right. Would you say?
every fiddler we met had the same repertoire, but it was always a little bit different. In New Mexico, the fiddlers didn't like to jam with each other. They were kind of singular, you might say. Well, they, were, they lived in isolated places, you know. Right, so they didn't have the same versions. This tune, El Italien. Yeah. There's so many of them. Yeah, yeah. I know, there's yeah. a lot of them, and they're different, and also, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a whole lot of different ones. There's Italian. at this festival we used to go to every year called Grand Ball de l'Europe, uh, the big Europe ball. It was in central France, and uh, there were a lot of Italians there, and we were sitting around jamming, and we were playing the, the Italian one that went, da 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 that one, yeah. right? And they walked by, and they said, that's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
that was Jordan Wax of Lon Pignon with a sweet version of El Talian. There's so many versions of that. And before that, we heard four of them working backwards. Arturo Marquez, Paul Rangel, Cleophis Ortiz, and some other band I didn't know, uh, a tune that John Morton collected. And the tunes that Cleo's played so far on this show were from his visit, most of them from his visit to Fiddle Tunes in 1987. He was helped out musically by Jeannie McCleary, Ken Kepler, Paul Rangel, Emily Abink, and probably others on mandolins and fiddles and guitars. There's also a New Mexican tune called La Vaquera, or sometimes El Vaquero. And I had heard the same melody in Newfoundland, played by Rufus Ginshard. So I asked Jeannie and Ken about it. La Vaquera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, from Nova Scotia. The same one that, yeah, that... And Rufus played. Yeah, Rufus, Rufus played, right. That, no, they both thought of them as, as traditional tunes. No, and Rufus said it was from Portugal. Well, that makes sense. That's just across the way, really. Yeah, well, not only that, is the Portuguese, <laughs> the Portuguese, oh, there are a lot of Portuguese settlers in Newfoundland. And also, they always came over cod fishing. Right. So figures they'd take, bring in their fiddle. Yeah, the Portuguese and Basque were big. I mean, there's some theory that the Basque might have been the first people to discover America because for generations they would go up by there and fish cod and they wouldn't tell anybody where it was because they didn't want anybody getting in on their cod grounds. And that's you know? why they they learned about salting it to keep it, to pr preserve it. And it's still one of their favorite dishes, uh, salt cod, <laughs> bacao or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
That was so funny when Rufus and Rufus sang the words, Uncle Manuel milks the cow, Uncle Manuel milks the cow. And Kate was sick in bed, so Uncle Manuel milked the cow. And here it was about a cow, La Vaquera, the cowgirl, and his was called, um, what did he call his? Uh, Uncle Manuel Milks the Cow. That's right. That's what he called it. So there was some, several connections besides right. just the tune. Right. But how did it get to New Mexico? Who knows? Yeah. Anyway. Ah, oh, if only this tune could talk. That was Rufus Ginchard from back in 1990 at the Fiddle Tunes Festival playing Uncle Manuel Milk the Cow. Rufus was from Newfoundland, and it's pretty cold up there. That's probably why they played that so fast. And before that, Teofilo Maestas played El Vaquero, the same tune, really. And before that, Cleo played the same tune as well. The Teofilo Maestas tune and the Arturo Marquez tunes are off a cassette that's now a CD that Jeannie and Ken put together of 10 great New Mexican fiddlers. It's really interesting. You can't buy it, but you can have it. They give it away, so if you want one, contact me and uh, I'll put you in touch with them. I mean, we can't keep the culture alive, yeah. like especially the Tohono. Right. And what's happened in New Mexico is mariachi got big, which is good. Mm -hmm. It's involved children, and there's been mariachi bands in a lot of the high schools, and they've learned how to play that. But it's not New Mexican music, but yeah. it's good music. Yeah. And, and you know, Cleophas asked us to, to learn to play his music, and uh, Dennis wanted us to learn to play his music uh, and because he wanted to make sh they wanted to make sure that somebody knew it because they could, at that time they could see that people weren't learning that.
And then, you know, same with Tony. Thank God that we visited her when she was, she was just about at her end. She, you know, her husband had died the day after Christmas. He was only 65. And he was a, he drank a lot and he smoked a lot. And anyway, he, he'd had a heart attack, I think. Yeah. So um, their tradition is they cut the strings on their guitars and they don't play for a whole year. Well, Cleo and I went out there in December, the whole next year we were playing at a school in Mora. And so I said, let's go visit, he always called her Mrs. Apodaca, because uh, we'd run into her a little bit at a few things. Yeah. And he said, let's go visit Mrs. Apodaca. And I said, that's a good idea. So we drove out there and found it and it was snowing. It was a good half hour drive from Las Vegas where the motel was that we were staying in. And we got there and it was about 4.30 in the afternoon, getting dark and cold. And she was there, but she didn't even have a, her fire going in a wood stove. She had on this great big black bear coat that made her look like a bear. And we walked in and we, she, we said hello. And, she, and we said, Tony, why don't you have your fire going? And she says, oh, I don't want to live anymore. I don't have any reason to live. And so then uh, Cleo said, come on, I'll, I'll make your fire. And he, you know, stoked it up and got it going. And I said, get out your guitar, let's play some. And she says, I can't, the strings are cut. And I said, oh, okay, well, I said, do you want to play mine? And, you know, it had been almost a whole year since yeah. he died. Yeah. So I think she played mine a little. Cleo got out his fiddle, and we played a little. And then we said, well, Tony, we're going to come back. We have to go to the school again in, in February. And so when we went back in February, she had brand new strings on the guitar, and she had been practicing. She was doing all those hot licks she knew how to do on guitar and singing and writing songs. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's just like blooming yeah. and so we that's when we got her gigs like port townsend and we went to wyoming to uh jackson hole there was a festival ron yeah. put on yeah. and we yeah. took her to san diego and washington dc and yeah oh lots of places and all around new mexico and arizona and you know she just bloomed because when she was with her husband she was in the background yeah he went they he wouldn't had a, let her take breaks or nothing. They had a trio, and she had to stand behind the two guys. <laughs> and she was never allowed to play her accordion, I don't think. Only <laughs> guitar, just boom chuck. No hot licks? Nope. Uh, as I recall, she traveled with uh, jalapenos in her guitar case. Yeah, she oh, did. Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah, and that was, you know, when she, when she had the fire uh, that burned her house, her old house that she was born in and grew up in uh she went out and she hit her head and she'd thrown her her accordions and her guitars out the door and then she ran out and she hit her head and so when they came the house was pretty much gone but the uh they says well you know you should probably get that checked out who's your doctor and she says i don't have a doctor because she'd never been to a doctor in her life five children always born at home and she says and they and they says so you don't have a doctor he says and she go, oh yes, yes, I have two doctors, Dr. Red and Dr. Green. <laughs> Ken and Jeannie are reminiscing about Antonia Apodaca, Tony Apodaca, remarkable firecracker of a woman from northern New Mexico, a composer of songs. She played accordion and guitar. Sería mi amor 
el que la está regando. sin grido con tu ingrato corazón de tu jardín me darás una rosita que se ame blanca flor de amapolita le decía la vida mía estoy solita me trae sin grido con tu ingrato corazón oh, what a garden you grow Oh my darling My pretty little Dahlia I'm going crazy for your love Oh you garden I want a little flower Oh you garden I want a little love Oh my darling My pretty little Dahlia I'm going crazy You know, she she just stayed going until right. uh, just last January is when she died, and she was 80, 96. and she oh. played up until about the last year. Well, they had a, a memorial service for her in early March, right before COVID. Thank goodness, because uh, it would have been really hard on her son not to have had that. Yeah. And the people, her family came from Wyoming and Idaho and all around, and there were five hundred people in the theater, a beautiful theater on the campus of Highlands University. Huh. And uh, Trio Jalapeno uh, played, yeah, that's right. the, the other two guys she played with. We played Scott and with Scott and Linda. Um, Lone Pignon came. Mm-hmm. 
siempre te sueño Si estoy recordado me pongo a pensar En tus lindos ojos, tu linda sonrisa Te quiero con todo el corazón Cuando no te miro me pongo a llorar
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Peter. Happy birthday to you. I'm Peter McCracken, and you've been listening to Cracking the Vault, a special look at northern New Mexican fiddlers, especially Cleofas Ortiz and Antonio Apodaca. I'm going to let Tony sing me happy birthday today, because it is my birthday. And I want to give special thanks to all the folks who care enough about this music to own it and to pass it on. Ken Kepler, Jeannie McCleary, Scott Mathis, Linda Askew, Paul Rangel, Emily Abink. I know I'm missing some. And special thanks to the fiddlers past of New Mexico. We are about out of time. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you down the road if the creeks don't rise. I love you all. I'll be sad someday When there is a will There is a way The words in this song Go with all my love For your kindness May God Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Peter. Happy birthday to you.